Welcome back to the Make It So podcast. I am Charlie Plain. And I'm Neil Timmons. We are down to the final challenge. We have three contestants left. We have Nathan Miracle, a.k.a. Gooey Chewy, Kano Hendrickson, a.k.a. Wayoon's Last Clone, and Keith Morris, a.k.a. Foreman. What do you think of the final three, Neil? It's going to be really exciting to see how each of these guys uh, uh, attacks the last challenge. I think that when we started, there was, you know, some people that were early favorites, but I think that very quickly it became obvious to me, at least, that anybody who was in this competition could have ended up in the final three if they'd had a slightly better week here or there or some real-life issues not come up. You know, especially with the last seven, you know, Danny Lincoln and Darren and uh, Tyler, all great designers. Any one of them could have been in the final. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what these three do and which one of these three becomes the next assistant designer. Do you have a prediction? I think the clear favorite right now is Nathan Miracle after winning the last two challenges. So I think he's going to be the, the man to beat. I think that just because you're the man to beat doesn't necessarily mean you're the best guy in the competition. But I think Nathan really does set a high bar. So the other two gentlemen are going to have to really step up and, and do some some very creative and exciting designing, which I think is good for all of us because we as the audience and we as the future game players all get to benefit from their excellent design. Absolutely. This, this process has been going on for six or seven months at this point, probably closer to eight by the time that we're all said and done. What have you learned about second edition and the design process itself as a observer of the Make It So Challenge? Well, I have a little bit different perspective because as well as this competition's been going on, uh, Brad's been inviting me to design my own car because that's something that uh, I've apparently been trying to do for a few months. And it was kind of an oddly timed process because there was a set that came out right after the, the World's Tournament, which I certainly wasn't prepared for. The next set after that was a fixed product which is the Infinite Diversity set, and the set that I will finally get my designed card in, of course, is a, a year later. But that's been giving me a whole bunch of time to think. So in addition to watching all these card designs, I have been trying to design a card on my own. And the, the biggest thing that I've noticed in this game is, is that there is not a lot of room for text on a card. It is really difficult to make a card do something with very, very few words. And if you want lore on that card, you have to do it with less. So kudos to all these designers for building these cards that actually do cool stuff while using as little text as possible. That's one of the things that I had to adjust to real quickly when I first got the opportunity to start working on cards way back in 2006 or 2005 is... A lot of times you can't just say what you want the card to do either. You have to word it in a very specific way because of the way the game is framed, is framed, which adds more words to a lot of words that you already had. And before you know it, you have too many words on the card to fit on the card, especially with missions, which I, I know you wanted to do a mission first. And I'm hoping that you'll be able to write an article for us at some point explaining your, your experience designing a card. But... You tried to write a mission, and it, you just either couldn't get it to fit on there, or it just wasn't working right, and, and you ended up designing a, a personnel, right, Neil? I did. 
Care to give us uh, a hint about who it might be? I'll give you a hint. He's from New Jersey. Uh, yeah, when when I when I first started to design a car, the idea that I I had in mind was actually a whole bunch of fun that would give. It, it, it kind of started to be a little bit of a poker game at the beginning of the game, where you would give your uh, your opponent the choice of doing a certain action. And depending on what he did, it would either give you a little bonus or a big bonus. But the little bonus and big bonus would switch depending on how you built your deck. Right. Like you, you either get one thing that was really awesome, or you might get that thing, and depending on your deck design, it wouldn't be that awesome. Or you get one thing that would be beneficial down the line, or depending on design, it wouldn't really help you at all. So it would actually give the deck, the, your opponent, a poker choice as to what what should you choose because one one of these things is good and one of these things is not so good you got to figure out which one is which but to word it in the way that I want it was it was a book it wasn't a card text it was what we referred to often as a wall of text except it was kind of a great wall the further that I go into this watch these designers design their challenge and the further that I go into my own design process I realized that when you have an idea, turning that idea into an actual text is incredibly difficult. You have to be very succinct and, and very pointed with your ideas to be able to actually turn them into cards. Neil, we are minutes, perhaps seconds, away from the reveal of the final challenge. Would you like to tell us what the final Make It So challenge might be? Absolutely. So here's the final challenge. As the lead designer of your own team, create a 15-card boutique expansion designed to be released before and legal at the World Championship. All right, let's, let's, let's break that down a little bit more. Let's start with what a boutique expansion is. Some right. of the other ones that we've had would be Fractured Time. Genesis. Genesis, sort of. Maybe Reflections. A, a boutique expansion is really something that's sort of meant to be packaged by itself and not, you know, a booster box that you open a bunch of packs out of. Boutique expansions are difficult for a lot of reasons. They usually take up just as much time as a full-size expansion with less cards. So, it, example, Infinite Diversity took more time to design and develop than a regular 45-card virtual expansion did. Now, Infinite Diversity had a lot of complexities to it because we were building a whole new format. But really, the, in this case, the, I would say the best example to model off of would be the 15th Anniversary Collection, which was Legacy. In that, it's only 15 cards. It's not a full 45-card expansion, and we did that in Phase 2. Asking the designers to do that from scratch would be pretty difficult. We're really just looking for a 15-card expansion that has some sort of connecting theme to it, Right. Right. You know, Infinite Diversity isn't really the best example because that was a special rule set with it. Really look at Fractured Time or Legacy for your inspiration for this. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? Yes, absolutely. Now, 15 cards means probably not everybody is going to get something. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah. It's, it's very difficult to give... 12 factions a card out of 15 cards well, if you're going to make a boutique set. Well, you know, this it kind of reminds me of the very first challenge we did, which was make 15 cards and give everybody something, plus one extra, 
right? So there's there's fourteen yeah. affiliations or sub affiliations in the game, and there's no way you can give. I mean, you could do one card for everything, but then you have no dilemmas, you have no missions, presumably, and I'm not sure that's that's a good strategy. I, I think the the key thing to look at here is this last part of the challenge, which is that this is going to be released and legal for worlds. What does that suggest to you? That means that you should take a look at the game and figure out what meta tinkering and tweaking may need to be done before the world stage. So if there's an affiliation that's too powerful, you might want to uh, put a, a, a limiter in, in the game. Or if there's an affiliation that isn't powerful enough, then maybe you want to give them a boost or a, or a great personnel or, or maybe a mission that's really easy for their existing personnel to do or something to boost that affiliation just to stir the pot before Worlds. What would you put in it if you were making this? How would you stir the pot, so to speak? Well, Worlds this year is going to take place in Europe, and there's been a whole lot of hullabaloo in Europe about uh, if either the, the TOS crew or the board crew, or I've even heard some, some rumblings about the Bajorans. So I might make a dilemma that hits the board pretty hard, or maybe make another anti-federation dilemma, although there are several in the game, but with the, with the, the rumblings of, of how tough the federation are, it certainly wouldn't be out of place. Uh, I hear the makings of, of the Terok-Nor affiliation starting to really be powerful, and I've actually personally seen a Terok-Nor deck do really well. Maybe that affiliation is on the cusp of being a great affiliation. Maybe they just need one more tool or one more personnel, or one more piece of grease, or, or whatnot, to, to, to push them over the edge. Uh, maybe look that direction. But I think I would probably attack the Borg. I think the Borg are going to be one of the rougher affiliations to deal with come October. Historically, expansions aren't released at you know right before right i mean that we were talking about putting this out one week before worlds historically yeah, that would never happen um no that would be a bad idea what but assuming this was going to happen could you also as a strategy for a designer maybe make safer choices rather than risk putting out a card that immediately makes some unbalanced broken deck and ruins the championship so to speak i suppose that would probably be the, the, the better way to go or the more realistic way to go would be to not make a bunch that are game-breaking, but to make cards that, that either boost low affiliations a little bit or just make general utility cards that are useful for everybody. Now, now let, me t let me tell you specifically why we put that clause in this challenge. As some of you may have figured out very soon here, there will be a new 2E expansion being released. That will obviously change the metagame between where it is right now and where it's going to be at Worlds. At Worlds. Right. This, in the context of this challenge, that should be ignored. Meaning, we might start spoiling cards from this next expansion while this challenge is being run. Those cards in that expansion should not be included when the designers are building their 15-card final challenge expansion. What you're making isn't going to be coming out at Worlds, but you want to design it as if 
you were adjusting the meta from where it is now, and that was the only adjustment that was going to be made prior to World Championship. The, the point of that statement in there isn't that you're going to be releasing these cards one week before Worlds, because that would obviously be a very bad idea. The point is that you want to take the meta as it exists right now and use this expansion to adjust it however you want to see it adjusted before a, a big event. And the fact that there is another 2E expansion coming should be ignored, because you don't know what's in it, the public doesn't know what's in it, pretend it's not there. Even if we start spoiling cards shortly after this challenge goes up, ignore them. Right, that's that, that's a good point there to make, is, is that the teams should not allow the, the new expansion to influence their own design. Uh, in fact, it wouldn't be a bad idea to just not pay attention to the, the spoiled cards if we start doing that before this challenge is, is completed. Focus as if we are creating an expansion that's legal for worlds, but not before the, the expansion that we're creating yeah. comes out. Really take it as this is your last chance to nudge the meta where you want it to go before the world championship happens. Not that right. it's going to come out one week before worlds, because like we said, that would be disastrous, but this is your last chance to sort of nudge it where you as the contestant and as the lead designer want to take it. We have actually asked the three final contestants to recruit members of the community to be on their design teams, which means they've worked with teams in phase one, they worked with teams in phase two, but they were equals on these teams. Meaning as a team, they had to come to a consensus. Right. Now they're going to be Brad. So, Foreman's going to be the Brad of his team, and Nathan's going to be the Brad of his team, and Kano is going to be the Brad of his team. To you, what does that mean, Neil? Well, that means that we, we're going to have some teams instead of some individuals, as we've had in previous challenges, except in this time, the teams have a leader, and we shouldn't see voting. We should see the submission of ideas and the approval and denial of ideas, not the submission of, of ideas and a vote being constructed. So we're going to have one person who makes all those random decisions as opposed to a group that gets together and randomly chooses which one that, that they choose. Right. If the team generates 17 cards that they're happy with, rather than voting on which ones to keep, it's up to the team leader to make that decision. It's up to the team leader to assign tasks to his team. It's up to the team leader to solicit feedback from his team. And ultimately, it's up to the team leader to use or ignore the feedback of his team. But it's also entirely on the team leader what the results are. He can't he can't blame his team if he makes a decision to put a card in that they don't like and then he loses the challenge because of that. That's on him. Right. The other part of this is the judges are going to be watching to see how these designers handle a leadership role. Do they actually delegate responsibility or are they just sort of bouncing ideas off the team? Are they just using their team for proofreading? Or are they actually soliciting ideas from other designers and then making the best decisions for their product? Right, so part of the, the challenge is not only the product that they come up with in the end, but part of the challenge is also the behind-the-scenes parts that the, the public might not necessarily be able to see, but the judges will be paying very close attention to. I know that we, we tipped off the finalists on Friday that they would need a team, and by the time that this podcast goes up, each finalist will have put together a team of between one and three people, and they'll have their own forum, and when this challenge goes up and they find out the context of their expansion, 
hopefully they'll get straight to work. And uh, we'll find out who they've recruited and, and maybe find out a little bit about why they recruited them during the week. Excellent. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Zor and the Kodan Armada. So, Neil, we've got three different designers who are each going to create 15 cards. And then we're going to have to look at... That's 45 cards that we're all going to have to look at and judge to decide who joins the design team in the future. What would you be looking for as a judge or as a member of the public in these expansions to help you make that decision? I'll ultimately end up looking for uh, the, the way that the cards themselves fit together and, and which, which team makes me the, the most excited about how, how the designer solved the, the, the problem. Uh, I'm kind of a big picture guy. I'm a, I'm a themes guy. And when we look at all these cards, I'm the guy that looks for the, the Star Trek theme and the, how well it, it, it works in context with the actual episode that they pulled this from. I noticed in the Infinite Diversity set that when you mix all five of the, of the non-aligned personnel together and count up all their skills, they have 15 skills, except that they all gain a skill. So each of the teams have the ability to do the, the mission that was included in that set. And I think that's, that type thing is just, it's so subtle and it's just so brilliant. It, it just all fits together really well. And that's the kind of stuff that I think that is just super, uh, super fantastic when you start seeing subtlety and you start seeing the, the theme that fits the cards together in context to actual Star Trek. That's what I think I will be looking, looking for and what I'll be looking at. With, with the sub-theme of looking at probably the personnel, because I think the personnel are, with only 15 cards, I think the personnel are really what's going to make the, these sets exciting. That, that's certainly true. Personnel are usually the, the cards that people really like. But, you know, what I'm looking for, if, if I were judging this, I'm looking to see how these design teams, and particularly the lead designers, apply all the lessons that we've tried to teach them. How to adjust the meta, how to write good cards, how to write clear and concise cards, how not to overcomplicate your cards, how to balance your expansion so that there's a nice mix of different card types. I, I want to see how... Do they put cycles in? Do they put story cycles in? Do they put mechanical cycles in? Are they horizontal or vertical cycles? How do they take the lessons that we've taught them and create an expansion when, when all the restrictions are off? I mean, there, there are, other than the number of cards, there are no restrictions on this challenge. No restrictions. No, no holds barred. Nope, there's no, no limits. They can make anything. If they want to make 15 pieces of equipment, then more power to them. Really excited to see what these teams put together and can't wait to start talking about their expansions and the final cards and find out who will be working with Brad to make an expansion in the future. So the only question I have is, what's the timeline? This challenge is going up on Monday the 19th. The design teams are going to have until Wednesday the 28th to build their expansions. So that means they're going to get 10 days, basically. Uh, they 10 get days. All of this week, all of next weekend, and the three days after that. Now, what's interesting about this is European Championships is this weekend. So a number of the European players may not be around to offer feedback. So if they've recruited European players for their teams, they may be limited in their internet access. So that's something to factor in. The interesting thing about that is, too, is, is European results are going to come in, presumably Sunday and Monday. And if the top four decks at Europeans are all Equinox decks, 
and one of the teams has created a bunch of Equinox helper cards, are they going to be able to scramble in those three days to react to that? You know, because I'm not sure the public would appreciate that. So the entries are due. We're going to give the public two days to sort of digest it before we put the voting up. So voting will go up on Friday the 30th. Voting will last through that week and the following weekend and will close on Monday the 9th. The interesting thing there is that weekend, that first weekend in August, that's Gen Con. So there'll be a lot of people at Gen Con who can talk about the cards and get their feelings in and go back home and maybe change their votes. But on Monday the 9th, we will have the results of this competition and we will know who the next assistant designer is going to be. Best of luck to all of our contestants, to Keith, Kano, and Nathan. Let's see what you can do, guys. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm happy that you made it to the finals. I want to see what you guys can really do. So throw the A game. After the results are in, I will be back with hopefully Neil, but if not Neil, someone to talk about the expansions and what we, uh, what we see versus what we were hoping to see. And then we will decide who the winner is of Make It So. That's all for us this week. I'm Charlie Plain. And I'm Neil Timmons. And in the immortal words of Captain Picard, Make It So. Like I told you at the beginning, it has simply been an honor to co-host the show with you. Congratulations on the impending birth of your child, and thank you, thank you for sharing so much insight and experience with us throughout the show. I, I still held out a hope that you might be able to join us for one of the last couple episodes, but I understand that you probably won't be able to. So thank you very well, much, Neil. But Charlie, it's been an actual, uh, an absolute pleasure working with you just to see how you brought this continuing committee forward and how we really furthered this whole game. 